You're listening. You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to the Learning Futures. The podcast. Learning Futures. The podcast. Learning Futures podcast. You are listening to the Learning Futures podcast. Welcome to this episode of Learning Futures. I'm your host, Dr. Sean Leahy, and with me today is our special guest friend of the show and former colleague here in the Teachers College, Dr. Ben Scragg. Um, I've invited Ben here today to discuss some of his work and some of the fun, exciting, and interesting aspects of esports. Welcome to Learning Futures, Ben. Dr. Leahy, thank you for having me. Uh, <laughs> this is, uh, is going to be a lot of fun. I am uh, thrilled to be part of the podcast because it's it's been not only as a listener but just just always on the periphery of my work at the teachers college and of course we were in the office together and uh, office of scholarship and innovation and 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 clarin as well and so clarin and i were wallmates we 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 shared offices right next to each other so (laughs) yes i'm excited to be back in in proximity even if digitally so thanks for having me absolutely and 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 yeah clarin she's bummed you know she can't be here today so uh she's got the day off so to speak um but uh, i know she will be very bummed that she missed this opportunity to chat with you um and catch up because yeah it's finally welcome to to the show it's been a long time and um it's been it's been a lot of fun to have you here so uh let me see if i can get this correct so um your official title. So Ben, you are the director of education and learning at eFuse. That's right. As I understand it, uh, which I want to hear your, your version, cause it'll be the, the formal and correct version, but yeah. eFuse is a startup company, um, in the realm of esports. Um, or I, you know, I can use this, this terrible, I was going to use a pun here and I was going to say it's in the arena of esports. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll have a, we can insert a, you know, a rim shot perhaps there in, in post, but, yeah. um, but essentially that you, that eFuse is providing this licensed platform for esport competitors and teams, as well as offering sort of officially hosted gaming tournaments and stuff. Um, so I don't know if I got all that right, but I would love to hear if you can just kind of start us off by telling us a little bit about what eFuse is and what your role is there and explain yeah. what, what is, what is a director of education and learning? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's such a, it's such a great question. It's, um, and I am, I am just over, I think 12 to 13 weeks into my tenure at eFuse and it's, of course, everything since since joining ASU in 2017, life has just been drinking out of a fire hose in terms of, um, well, just innovation, technology, change. And that's not just for, you know, whatever um, specific technology or sector we're talking about, just the, the world too. <laughs> a few things have happened since then. But so that part of my life has been kind of adapting to continual change um, just in, in not just career wise, but, but even in terms of sectors and how things emerge. So no, I think, I think you captured um, the kind of the bundle around eFuse fairly well. I'll, I'll build a little more context out, but I only put in that whole caveat of like, I am still learning a lot of this myself. It is fascinating. It is so much fun in some ways it's right at home with, I think who I've been, you know, professionally and um, 
personally from just an interest and curiosity standpoint for a lot of my life. But yeah, eFuse is definitely, um, it's definitely a growing company. It's definitely um, kind of still emergent. So we are, I think it's, it's fair to say a, a startup in this space, although we are in the process of um, kind of securing um, a series B funding. Um, and so, so we are definitely growing. I think we're definitely all excited, but yeah, I'll give you a, a little bit of brief history. And then it's also to say, I'm still kind of locating, um, and building out what a body of work, a portfolio and, and really the service design of, of my role. Yeah. As director of education and learning okay. kind of, yeah. kind of looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so, so sorry, just to interrupt. Yeah. So your role, so this is all brand new, right? So yeah. like your role and all that, this, this, yep. this whole area is also new to eFuse as well. E-fuse sort of growing in this space. Uh, yeah. A lot of, well, we're gonna, I think we're going to use the word growth a lot today. I think so. <laughs> I think so. And, and as Sean, you will know, Clarin will know, and, and anyone who listens in who will have, either worked with me at ASU or in or around or since will know that d- design is also a very big part and design thinking, a big part of these things. So, so things like uh, navigating ambiguity, especially as we talk about futures and learning futures, like there'll be a lot of that uh, verbiage that comes in too, but no eFuse. Um, it, it was funny. My first week on the job in the beginning of January actually coincided with our, um, kicking off our quarterly first quarterly meeting for 2022. And so I got, and maybe my, like my third day at the company, kind of a whole car wash of presentations and stand, stand up of the storytelling of eFuse. And so I'm kind of looking back at those notes now because I've been kind of in that space, kind of internalizing that story and, and running through it. But essentially eFuse has roots all the way back to 2018. Our CEO, uh, Matthew J. Benson, and our, um, and we call him MJB, so you'll probably hear me refer to him <laughs> that way. Um, and uh, our other co-founder, Austin May, really started with a team of two in, in 2018 with an idea that was born out of um, a Matt's MJB's uh, a, a college course on entrepreneurship. It kind of started with the idea of a, kind of a LinkedIn of gaming and esports. And it really yeah. originated in this idea that, Hey, look, esports is growing. It's emerging. I think you and I just looked at you know a couple of industry articles on you know how the space is growing to mm-hmm. upwards of 530 million people and uh, a global audience this year. Billions of dollars in the industry. Lots of competitive, specifically in the collegiate e-space here in the U.S. and North America. Um, hundreds of programs springing up, both at the kind of a club and varsity level across the country, but. Um, MJB kind of noticed that, hey, discoverability and a kind of a talent pipeline and recruiting isn't really built out. It can be hard to discover players if you're starting an esports program. How do you know someone's really, really great at Valorant or Rocket League or some of these other pieces, some of these other platforms and titles? And so they kind of had this idea for a platform. And essentially, it got to a place where they launched uh, in late 2019 uh, launched a beta, put a queue together, had like 25,000 users sign up for the eFuse kind of platform. Again, kind of a social media platform where you could build a profile, uh, share some info, um, highlights, clips of yourself, kind of statistics where you could be discovered okay. um, for scholarship or even professional opportunities. And into 2020, uh, the the team expanded, the platform grew 
And if you saw opportunities to expand into, you said the arena, we actually have a product we call the Arena. Yeah, it's just right. kind of a platform for hosting tournament, kind of tournament organization, and then led to partnering to kind of host, um, basically create a studios team to to stream events. And so we we kind of have developed into this full stack, both kind of an opportunity platform, but we do production, we host tournaments and support leagues and operations and have built publisher relationships um, and have have uh, connected with some of, of really the most prominent kind of grassroots collegiate leagues started by college students, the College Carball Association with the Rocket League, uh, College uh, COD or Call of Duty League, the CCL, and have started to kind of build on that. And so we do lots of kind of influencer events. And really, it, we've gotten to a place we we kind of are, are talking about the, it's funny to talk about, you know, a company that's only a few years old, but in chapters and cycles of its existence, which I think is pretty normal in like a startup space. And sure. again, yeah. it's funny to talk with you about because, you know, my background is I've worked in uh, educational institutions, you know, my entire career and yet now find myself kind of in the startup space, but we're, we're kind of talking about this chapter, the company, you know, we've got a, a pretty, pretty clear um, mission that we're setting out to do, which is really just create a world where any person can change their life through gaming. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a pathway from high school to collegiate esport player to pro that this industry, as we say, growth is a, is a theme here is growing and expanding. It's interdisciplinary from an academic standpoint. So there are all these places where people um, can plug in, can get involved, can take a passion and turn it into a profession. And so we're really um, just working to kind of be really the number one global platform where gamers can meet, compete, and be discovered. Um, and at the same time, we're growing like crazy as a company. And so we're trying to really uh, find talent ourselves who really amplify and create opportunities for others. And I'll just take one beat to say all of that, I think gives us some space to talk about like um, <laughs> my role particularly. And I think eFuse's commitment broadly to um, not just scholastic or academic spaces, but specifically like in K-12 and higher ed where esports and gaming specifically connect to educational opportunities, internships, scholarships, and all that. Right. And so part of what I've been swimming in for the last 12 or 13 weeks or so um, is one kind of learning this industry, learning esports space specifically in scholastic and collegiate spaces, but also starting to map some terrain for hey, what are academic partnerships, um, possibly research, possibly grants, possibly kind of building internship programs look like? And and really the name of the game, when, and we'll see if I nail this dismount here to, <laughs> to carry us into the next part, is really just how do we how do we continue to expand opportunities um, for people to enrich their lives. And and to me, that's education, you know, writ large. I know you are the f father of some, some young children. I am as well. And I think to me, when I think about education, I really just thinking about what expands somebody's world, what puts more on their plate, what creates, what creates a bigger world for people and more opportunity. And um, this, you know, as a growing kind of sector of, of yeah. <laughs> life on planet earth in, in 2022 is, is kind of the opportunity we have. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think there's there's so much there. We this might have to become like a multi-parter. So just be be warned. You maybe call back to the. <laughs> well, I don't think we have time to get through all of this stuff. But like, so one thing I'd like to do. Okay, so thinking about um, kind of building off this idea of growth again. So it's kind of yeah. backing up just for a minute. Um, this whole this whole uh, I, I I'm forced to keep trying to use this word arena everywhere I can today. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just in my brain today. So this whole arena, if you will, mm-hmm. um, around esports, this idea of growth, like just to put it into some perspectives. I know you had shared some 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 you know a statistic right kind of at the top, but I'm looking at this thing, and again, we'll drop these these links to these um, sure. articles and stats in the show notes so people can look and see for themselves and kind of digest them. But just looking quickly here at a, a figure that's the the esport market size worldwide. So we talk about growth, and this is just from 2020 to 20, and then projected to 2025. So we're looking, you know, at, in 2020, just under a billion dollars in market um, size worldwide. Yeah. 2021, crossing that threshold, 1.28 billion estimated worth. Again, this is market worldwide size of just under three billion dollars worldwide in 2025. Yeah. So we're looking at in a five-year span, almost a three x fold in terms of growth in, in terms mm-hmm. of overall market size. So this is growing. This is massive, um, and I think some of the esport uh, terminology and exposure to that is even sort of bleeding over into you know outside of what would have been traditionally sort of like the gaming culture or the gaming world, where you're right. starting to hear and become aware of things like you know Twitch streams. And if there's anybody else yes. out there like myself who's painfully suffering through a game like Elden Ring and trying to figure it out. <laughs> you know, you're turning to these, you know, you're, you're yes. just, just for not just inspiration, but like help. I want to see someone do this because I'm terrible at it and I want to see someone do amazing at it. And I've noticed that even too, some of these statistics are showing that, that the viewership. So people, kids, I, I shouldn't say kids, young yeah. sport yeah. athletes, are we calling them? We, is that how we call them? Do we call esport? Are they esport athletes? That's a, that's a great, great question. Editors? Maybe that's a better yeah. one. Um, you, you know, that it's not just esport enthusiasts or gaming enthusiasts, that there's also a massive growing market of, you know, what we would call sort of like casual audiences, people who are, mm-hmm. that's probably where I would fit in, is, you know, curious about it. You know, I'm, I, I really am interested too in the esport realm around the like um, competitive driving games, like Formula yes. One, you know, yes. things like that. And it's amazing to just watch some of these esport players go through these things and just and to learn from them. And so there's this whole other, you know, sort of sort of piece there. Um, and so again, I think I think it's we it's safe to say what what has been demonstrated so far is that there's this massive amount of growth. But kind of to that end, I think that kind of rolls us into this next question and, and where you mm-hmm. have sort of started to talk about what is, okay, so what does this mean in terms of its connection to the educational landscape? And as we, you know, this podcast, we look at yeah. futures of learning, but not the futures of schooling necessarily, right? So even as we think about esports, you know, how will esports, you know, what is the role of esports in the futures? And how do we think about that in terms of like the literacies and sort of tying that into what you were, you were, you were sort of just talking to, you know, where does this fit in the relationship between how young um, students in whether that could be in, you know, the K-12 arena or as they, oh God, there it is again, arena, um, right. as they bridge into um, college life or, or not, you know, if they go off and to do other things after the K-12 uh, school experience, what is the role of esports? So how do you see that sort of developing and 
Um, you know, just what are your thoughts on that in terms of like the literacies required or how does it support the yeah. going digital literacies that we're, we're doing today and coding and STEM, but also the arts. Um, I'm just really curious what you're, how you see this kind of being an insider now in this yeah. role of esports. <laughs> like, how do you yeah. see that connection? And I think that's, I mean, it's presumptuous of me to say, but I think that's part of what you're, you're trying yeah. to figure out in your role is how do we, how does this sort of dovetail into a maybe existing, but then hopefully yeah. future educational scenarios, whether that be formalized or informal. And I'm just curious to get your perspective on, on that. Yeah. Well, the, and there's like, there's a lot there. I think it's a great, like the, the play space of your question. I, I will start with is like, that's a question I'm, I'm, I'm seeking to, dive deeper into and, and kind of start to answer every day, like almost every interaction, lots of different meetings, lots of different, like the kind of the portfolio of my work has started to take shape. And it really centers around kind of, again, you'll say arena, I'll say kind of the play space of that question. I think it's really kind of, kind of fascinating. And I'll, I'll, <laughs> the the caveat and i think this is a caveat off of a caveat but like the the curse of course of having any academic training and background is not is is you get one level past it depends but i think <laughs> that it's it's really the acknowledgement of one my own tendency to consider myself a per, kind of a perpetual novice or in perpetual beta for always learning and so when do you know enough to to you know, confidently answer a thing, knowing the infinite multitudes and probably multiverse of answers that are out there for you know the the more that we always could know, but I I think I will localize it to my to my experience thus far and kind of my approach, which does align, and I think this podcast or our opportunity to talk is not specifically driving kind of efuse efuse efuse, but what I am really aligning with and what I'm most excited about in inside of this particular opportunity eFuse is kind of being aligned to the the values that we really try to drive as a company, one of which is kind of relationships over transactions because this space is a is like so um inherently endemically tied to education and educational opportunities. Um, because I'm a former K-12 <laughs> classroom teacher and have kind of that imprinted probably on my soul for the rest of my life of yeah, having that experience and that orientation, but also kind of being um, a scholarly practitioner, staff member, faculty in higher ed too over the last 15 years. I think it's also shaped by uh, some of my critical background it, like in ed tech spaces, which we, you and I have talked a little bit about, but, but also kind of the, um, you know, it, it's absolutely worth mentioning a, a prior employment stop between ASU and here at eFuse was with the online learning consortium OLC, which kind of that network of folks has become kind of became my professional hub and network. And so lots of discussion about online learning trends in online learning, how that's getting set up. Um, the relationship and online learning around platforms and technologies and companies to institutions, students, all that kind of stuff, I think is is also something I bring to the table. And so I try to think about relationships over transactions as as we think about 
the work we're doing eFuse. And so what that all means, right? All that word salad or all those caveats as I start to kind of jump into the play space of your question is, um, I see lots and lots and lots of um, venues into esports, particularly as an educator. So there are lots. And um, the first is that it's wildly interdisciplinary. Um, so esports itself, as you mentioned, as you come into this, there are tons of you know, academic skills you can learn. There are tons of kind of interpersonal or maybe you'd call them non-cognitive skills or soft skills related to, you know, um, or kind of these design mindsets, right? Towards Mm, creative confidence, navigating ambiguity, iterating, teamwork, collaboration, problem solving. Um, Lots of those pieces. I think there are lots of people talking about that. There is a ton of research on, on that, particularly for gaming, and yet, right, like there is also this other venue where we could, I, I don't want to take it down this tangent, but I am kind of fixated on this concept, um, kind of a, a Tyak and Cuban, like the grammar of schooling. Mm. And so what we fix and what we, how we know schooling and what it is to be, like, does gaming fit inside of that? Right. And of course, our right. own like Jim G and his work on video games and discourses and literacies and communities, communities of practice. Like, I think I think I'm I'm very comfortable settling in a place like, oh, gaming and esports absolutely have tremendous value educationally, pedagogically, like, you know, socially, cognitively, non-cognitively. Like, I, I don't think that's a question for me. And yet. I think what you're playing at a little bit in your answer is how do esports, how does gaming fit into like educational paradigm when like for some of us, if we grew up specifically like pre-connected gaming, right? You were playing oh, yeah. like Atari consoles, 8-bit <laughs> consoles, 16-bit consoles, 64, 32, 64-bit uh, consoles. Good, otherwise known as That's the right. old days. <laughs> Correct. The, uh, you know, the retro old school stuff now, um, you know, that stuff was, you know, I have friends and family who grew up seeing that stuff as only a distraction or a negative or a pejorative. And yet there are now people who for 20 years, right, maybe longer. And, and there are stories of this I've been reading about. Uh, William Collis has a great book, The Book of Esports, kind of traces the history of of some of the field. And, and there are a couple others I'd, I'd probably ought to shout out here in a minute. But like... Um, this stuff is not necessarily new and let's locate ourselves as like Americans, right. In 2022, where this stuff is it, like, it's a global phenomenon. So there are yeah. th- there, you know, particularly uh, around the globe, particularly in Asia, this stuff has, it has a history as well, has a long lineage that has influenced American esports, particularly in academic spaces. So um, I, I just, I think it's really there's so much to chew off, but I see a lot of educators tackling this from a grassroots place, from whatever, like a lot of folks that I'm listening to and learning about and building relationships with, like it kind of starts from their own personal passion and a desire to like take the moment where we're connected and the moment where this industry is growing and bring it to kids. And there's just a ton of grassroots, whether it's state federations or school by school, or even in the, in the company and startup space for people who see that there's there's something bigger here than just, oh, if you get good at a game, you can earn a scholarship or you can go pro, but that there really is an interdisciplinary and holistic industry around 
you know, the marketing, the social media, the storytelling, right. uh, the broadcasting, the production. And so I think we're at a place now where, yeah, the money's definitely here, billions of dollars in the industry, lots of investments, um, and still folks trying to figure out the best ways to make these connections, how to leverage opportunities for students. Um, all the while, there's a million other things happening from from NFTs to Web3 <laughs> to all those other things that I, oh, yeah. I don't know anything about, right? I don't even that's want to an, That's another, de- that's definitely another episode. We, yeah. can, we can get my so, hot takes on NFTs. So, I, you know, even reflecting over the last, I told you I didn't want to give you any five-minute soliloquies, and now I've probably given you a <laughs> six-minute soliloquy. But even like as I jump in that play space, I think you're right that there are... There's so many avenues. There's so much ground to cover and people are working at it. Um, lots of folks kind of working at it in their own ways. And so one of the things I'm also tapping into, I think eFuse is really, I, I'm, I, I'm it's kind of cool to see, is also tapping into storytelling and really kind of amplifying different pathways because yeah. I don't think it's monolithic or I don't think it is... Like I think it's it's there's a lot of hybridity and plurality into how like people just live their lives in the you know or still early twenty first century and how we think about the opportunities that this creates. Yeah, no, that's incredible. And I think so. One of the things that you know, just listening to that too, right? So um, thinking about this sh- this mind shift because I think I mean we we see this a lot, right? Where we talk about um, especially with around emerging technologies and all of the um, other aspects that rise with those technologies, right? Um, and for example, you know, esports is around all of these different technologies have enabled something like esports to take place. The, you know, the multi, the multiplayer modality of electronic gaming. Um, and then now, you know, because I mean, esports, if you think about it from the origins of it, you know, really goes back to what early, early 2000s when sort of online gaming was was really starting to be enabled through just the advancements in their internet connectivity and being able to have multiplayer games. And what does that look like? But then really thinking about the advancements from the, you know, the telecommunication side of things in terms of streaming platforms, the rise of Twitch, um, you know, all these kind of, you know, whether it's YouTube or Twitch or other platforms, this, this newer wave of showing your skills and building communities and all this stuff around those stuff has also brought with it lots of new opportunities. I mean, even when I just look at the, the, um, I'm struggling so hard not to use the term arena. <laughs> when I think about the entire landscape of esports, you know, even in some of the areas of, of my own expertise in terms of technology pieces, really getting excited about like what does like the streaming platforms, what does that look like? But then also thinking like, okay, if you are a student today sitting in middle school or high school and you are really interested in gaming, one of the things I'm interested to hear your your take too, Ben, on from eFuse's perspective, because I one of the pieces just going back to your original description of it. So, so yes, it does provide the, the, you know, the facilities to run these tournaments and things, but also it's a social media location, uh, platform where a individual who identifies themselves as a gamer who wants to be in, um, sponsored esports, and please correct me when I, if I stray from the, the, the correct way of describing this, um, they can come to a place like eFuse 
build a profile, demonstrate their skills, look for opportunities to, you know, join, make teams or whatever, or perhaps even get sponsorship. Um, you know, I'm looking right now again, and, we'll, and again, just we'll drop these, these, these links. So everyone else can have them in the show notes. I'm looking at esport games and I'm looking at the tournament prize pools broken down by games. And it is, I mean, to be honest, it's a little staggering to look at these numbers. Dota two is the top one worldwide. Um, and this is just for 2021, for example, 47, almost 47, almost 48, um, million dollars in prize money for that game during 2021. If we go down to things like Fortnite, which I think Efuse, you guys do a lot of work with, with Fortnite, um, and things like that. Fortnite, just under 10, $10 million in prize money. Um, and this is, you know, again, being collected in, in call of duty six, you know, so millions and millions of dollars out there. So clearly it's no surprise that, you know, if you are a younger person or maybe, maybe, I mean, we, we shouldn't associate youth to it, but you're interested in getting into esports. There's a lot of potential and there's a lot of money there, but do you see this, um, again, as we think about the role and the connection that this plays in let's say the schooling environment, the K-12 and on into, um, and into those environments. Do you see this as a viable place for people to get access to things like scholarships and, you know, or is this sort of that a continuation or a different version of that drive or want to be, for example, a YouTube star where, you know, it's incredibly profitable, but only for a very, very select few people. How do you see the, that sort of that, that tension or that balance between, yes, I would like to be a professional basketball player. My, my chances of being so are next to none, but how does that, how does that sort of transition play out in the world of esports? Is it similar to that or is it a much broader, uh, I'm going to just use it. Is it a broader arena for more people to play in? So I think that's a great question. And I, yeah, my my initial tendency, I'll take this a direction. Hopefully this this <laughs> this gets to the question. I do not see I do not see this as an all or nothing proposition or like kind of a race to be first and biggest and then like I mean there are already streamers, content creators and I think there is already kind of some indication that like look, this is I don't think this is a space where every single person has a pathway to get billions of streams and billions of dollars and things like that. But I also don't think that that is kind of what needs to be set up. I do think that this is going to become more and more just part of life and how, you know, social media has now been around about, you know, 15, 20 years or so in its proper form and streaming from, I was just reading about the origins of, you know, even Twitch out of like Justin TV, right? Like um, that, you know, the idea that YouTube is just kind of fixed part of our digital ecosystem. I, I haven't studied this enough to say this thing as flippantly and casually as I'll say it with like wild confidence. But I just think that these platforms and, and kind of these tools are becoming part of our life. I think, you know, Twitch or, you know, whatever the streaming platforms if there are others that come next or even, you know, game titles and um, esports are constantly changing um, that, that may continue to proliferate. Um, I don't, you know, even across the globe, I, I'm, I'm not wildly sure, but I think there are 
lots of opportunities that then pop up around this for, hey, if this is a hobby, if this is a passion, you can, you know, particularly around the idea. I mean, I think about the idea of digital storytelling or um, like digital humanities, like lots of these pieces that have this kind of either cross-disciplinary or, or hybridity with the digital, I think will continue to proliferate. And I think there are lots of folks who, yeah, there are lots of college students I'm working with right now or who I've met who are, you know, they were collegiate esports players and they're graduating and they don't plan on going pro, but they have a real passion for this industry. They're very connected to how it works. And so talking about lots of opportunities and, and of course, you know, all the facets that you would see in, you know, really, I think any industry, um, are, are there, right? Marketing and finance and legal and, you know, education happens to be kind of my bent. And I was just listening to a podcast, somebody I've met, um, a guy I really like, a guy named Danny Martin out of out of Texas in the Duncanville, Dallas area is the CEO of a company called Exposure. And I was listening literally last, last night to a podcast he did last September, um, just kind of telling his story and had lots of iteration and permutation uh, around NBA 2K, he had kind of set up a grassroots league and tournament operations and tournament organization to become really good. And when the publisher set up a formal league, he was kind of in this place of like, well, what do I do with, you know, these players that I had set up and helped establish and grow are moving into this other like professional league. Oh, hey, there's an opportunity here for a developmental league. Oh, there's also opportunity for education around here. And so he set up a really interesting kind of fascinating company doing creating opportunity and education at a grassroots kind of scholastic level in K-12 spaces kind of in Texas and the Dallas area and, and um, is expanding and growing and, and uh, is a really good guy. And so I think there's like lots of stories of people like that, that I'm meeting who um, are, are recognizing that this is not an all or nothing proposition for you must be a pro or you must, you know, that this is just, um, that, that hopefully there's a kind of a wide net for how we can create opportunity. And again, like I think one of the things I've kind of really found heartening kind of being at EFUSE, especially in the last few weeks is yes, like we're, you know, we're a company, we're, <laughs> you know, we play to win and we want to grow and we want to drive our revenues. But again, we, you know, we kind of value relationships over transactions and we're trying to create as much opportunity as we can. So we're trying to create platforms and opportunities where lots of people can play, where there are lots of people we can can kind of partner with. And I think that makes that nice from an educational standpoint, because again, um, uh, you know, I tend at this point, not because these are well-worn talking points, because I tend to fall back on like, oh, you know, the, the kind of rising rising tide raises all boats kind of metaphor. I think it's just that idea of like opportunity amplification. And I think the other thing that I'm guessing you would say you've seen in this space is like, I, I or ed tech spaces, right. Is like, I think there's also some resistance to like an overarching master plan or meta that spells everything out that actually kind of the fascinating part of this from the future standpoint. And I think, uh, from from the design standpoint is, you know, the thing isn't necessarily like innovation isn't the novel new thing, right? Innovation to me is when we take lots of 
like things or commonplace things and combine them in new ways. And so I, I don't know where we are, you know, if you were to, to map this to like a hype cycle or an innovation cycle or something like this. But I, I think there, I, I do think, you know, this is kind of quote unquote here to stay in terms of esports and gaming is that it has definitely an audience. It's definitely growing. Um, I think kind of being in the space to build relationships, amplify opportunities and see where things go is kind of <laughs> what I'm up to. But I also think, I just happen to think that's how, how some of this plays out. And there are definitely, definitely parties involved in this, right? So game and title publishers, obviously are like in, relationships with them are very important. There are esports federations that are that are popping up on both kind of the the k-12 like scholastic level and kind of the higher ed um, level for both varsity and club and and then some of that's grassroots and then of course there are all kinds of technology companies marketing companies financing um popping up into the space as well or or endemic brands into the space um so I guess the I'm, I'm not going to nail the dismount for you here, but I do think it's it's not monolithic. But I also think um, it is definitely. I think there are lots of viable pathways that will be created as as people imagine and create. Yeah, no, that, that's 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 awesome. And, and and I think turning now, let's so just you know, I think we I want to focus on one more sort of loaded loaded question um, sure. as this is the learning futures. Um, let's talk a little bit about it. I think you, you, you mentioned and you touched on some, some key elements there about um, thinking about again, growth and thinking about the futures and how this sort of ties in. Um, so let's do that. Let's spend a few minutes here. I would really yeah. love to hear um, how you think about just esports in general um, in this idea of, in terms of this, these future spaces. So as we think about the possible, preferable, plausible futures, can you walk me through? And I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold your feet to the coals here. And make yeah, each yeah. one of these, um, although it would be fascinating um, to do this as a, you know, and maybe that's an idea for another show is to do a, a recorded session as we actually plot through um, some, some futures methodologies and walk through some scenario planning. But um for for us today, I would just like to get your take um, on what you think about a futures that you would like to see play out for esports. Like, how would you like to see, um, from your perspective, um, the the this whole industry of esports play out? How do you see that that playing out? And then perhaps maybe one in which you, um, you know, so so basically, I'm asking. What's a future that you would like to see happen or to use? I think Ron has used the term before. What is a beautiful future for you in the realm of esports? And then perhaps if you mm -hmm. want to, or if you want to contrast that with one, what is one that maybe we should work to or steer away from or to avoid? Oh, great questions. Yes, uh, I, I will. I will. This is a fun space to play in. So I will jump in and throw some answers in. But again, this, uh, the great part about this is I have no confidence in any of these answers. So I, I refuse, I cannot be held accountable for these because I, who knows, but we get to play in this kind of imaginative space. I mean, I think the, the one that goes almost, it kind of is presumed, but it's like absolutely worth naming is like, I'm this all kind of, for me, depends on a world where we like, we have, you know, stable functioning societies like internet right and like basically the the basic infrastructure although you know 
across online learning and gaming spaces, there's broad, 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 broad inequity and who has access to, hey, the right the right kind of equipment you need or the minimum standards for capability to even, you know, to stream is one thing, but to put together um, like a LAN event and an in-person on-site kind of esports competition versus what's distributed, I think. Um, so, you know, I suppose there's one future where like, you know, that stuff isn't guaranteed. I think, I think the basic infrastructure is like kind of, that would be a catastrophic future for, for all of this. But you know, that that's bigger than esports. that's kind of society wide. So I'll, I don't need to say too much more about that. I don't think I, um, I think the other one that's been interesting to me, and I say this as a curiosity, I'll be really curious if any of my kind of colleagues or folks across the industry, particularly educators at the scholastic or collegiate level, who've been in this space a long time. And there are, some folks who really are already recognized as kind of legends or forerunners in this space. Um, in fact, a bunch of the guys that I work with and colleagues of mine who are supporting like our CCA and CCL teams, I mean, they're young, they're in their early and mid twenties and yet they've grassroots grown leagues, built relationships, have, have deeper relationships than I do in this space, know this space much better. Um, as I've come in, I've been really curious, you know, the NCA, for example, does not in the collegiate space, let's say, does not govern esports, and we have not built out, you have not broadly seen um, the same kind of infrastructure governance and oversight and operations for esports in the way that you see, you know, um, primary kind of Olympic and like wildly populate popular, like revenue generating sports, like NCAA basketball and say football, volleyball, ice hockey, the, those sorts of things. Um, so, and, and so some of the discussion is, will that continue to be grass grassroots? Will that be kind of federated by conference, by region, by school? Is that publisher driven? Is that kind of nonprofit or for-profit driven by, you know, governing entities. So I think there's, um, there are a couple of different futures there. One where that stuff sort of does get centralized or kind of overseen by a federation and, and, and the similar conversations are happening in the K-12 space. I'm still learning around that. I mean, there's a couple dozen States, I think that have States esports federations or that have been integrated into their scholastic bodies. But I think there's a couple futures for how that would settle out. And I think those would have, I think, pretty interesting implications for all kinds of things that that we're seeing pop up from how tournaments and leagues are structured and organized to, you know, things that college athletics are dealing with broadly around name, image, likeness, um, opportunities, constraints, uh, some confusion. Um, And then pieces like, you know, a transfer portal or, you know, um, what does player verification look like and what are the stakes for that? What do GPA requirements or, you know, status look like? Do you need to be full-time status? Do you need to be making adequately yearly progress toward a degree? Do you have to declare a major by X number of years? So my answer for you obviously is very specific in the collegiate space because that's where I'm spending most of my time learning. But I think there are some different futures that can emerge that, um, you know, any any 
any governing body or authority that would that would really step into the space and claim that mantle, you know, you're at some level, there is a laid out structure from NCA and, and conference athletics. Does it follow that model or how do publishers relate to that? So I think there's lots of questions there um, that are possible. I think to talk about what's preferable, I'd almost move away from some of those questions that I've been asking. And I think I think a preferable future is kind of the play space we've been in, which is we just continue to see the proliferation of opportunities. I think yeah. there are pretty strongly structured leagues, but, you know, um, Fortnite came out in what, 2017 began to exist as a game. Um, whereas there's some other titles like FIFA and Madden that date back to the nineties. And so what titles stay in the space, what emerge, um, you know, most everything right now that I'm seeing, and again, like, this is funny, I could be speaking out of total ignorance here, but I'm seeing lots of competitive, you know, multiplayer games in a lot of sense, whether you're talking about MOBAs, whether you're talking about sports games, first person shooters, battle royales, like those are there, but it, would there be something else, a model like, you know, a Tetris where you're just trying to get a high score, right? right? Um, or some of those other games or what new games emerge that really capture folks' attention. And then I think, you know, we're, we're doing a, I, I'm seeing lots of cross-platform functionality that's great and fine, but, you know, hardware. Right now it's very hard to get, for example, a PS5 or even a PS4. Sure. So how does the availability, how do the economics, I think a preferable future right, is um, schools and particularly K-12 spaces that are really interested in this can find funding models and opportunities to buy the equipment to fund these things um, that same at the at the administration level for higher ed. There's, you know, lots of places have big ideas. They've got lots of capability, really great people. But how does the funding line up to meet the opportunity? Um, does it happen that esports does it grow at the expense of traditional sports and some of those dollars get diverted? Um, those are all questions that I'm asking. I would almost guarantee there are <laughs> researchers and there are practitioners and coaches and directors in this space who are probably pulling their hair out if they if they ever listen to this thing. <laughs> no, man, we we've got answers to that. But I think those are the stakes, and I think. For the for the audience that I know and and you shared a little bit about around kind of this podcast and learning futures, I really think um, the most fascinating piece to me is the interdisciplinary and cross disciplinary opportunity for um, research and really research practice partnerships. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Particularly at the K-12 and at the higher ed level, because this this really is at the nexus of interdisciplinary, cross-disciplinary, and really kind of global futures and future studies opportunities. And so I think that's one that when you combine that with, you know, at a state, local, or federal government level, are there grant opportunities to pursue new workforce pathways? Like, I think there's a kind of like, not an all-in-one solution, but I think there's enough opportunity in this space to like kind of drive the the agendas or um, visions 
for different groups in ways that are complementary and not competing. So I think that would be like my dismount on a preferable future is interest driving into this space that lets everyone play toward the agendas that matter to them, knowing that these things, while they're not, it's 2022, so I'm sure we're still not allowed to use the word synergy. So maybe these aren't (laughs) all synergistic, but, but they're complementary in that, um, what someone wants to do over here in a space for creating internships or job opportunities connects to a researcher's interest in like those skills that are built through gaming, which meets uh, a company's interest in hiring kind of diverse interdisciplinary talent. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I think that, I mean, I think, you know, again, loaded question and loaded answer. So thank you. Um, I've got one last question for you. It's it's a simple yes or no. Um, 25 years from today, will esports eclipse in terms of viewership? Will esports eclipse traditional uh, sporting events, televised sporting events? Yes or no? <laughs> yes. Right. Let's say yes. Let's say yes. I, <laughs> I have no. I don't know. But the way I'm looking at it, like I was on Twitch the other night, twenty thousand people were watching someone play iRacing. racing. Right. I, I actually, I'll build on this just a little to say I'm really curious about. Th- not the splintering or fracturing or dilution because uh, maybe those are all negative, but like how the plurality of opportunities for people to like engage in community, be entertained and like spend their lives. Um, I do see that continuing. Like I see more and more and more coming. Um, I, this is neither here nor there. I know you gave, I, I gave my one word answer, but I feel like I want to ask, ask you this or say this, like you think about something like cord cutting or unbundling and now, you know, nobody wanted to pay a hundred dollars for cable, but now we're paying $150 for oh, yeah. eight yeah. to $10 subscriptions and, yeah. and, a, and a basic cable pack. So like, what is the, where does that go? How I'm curious, how does esports and gaming kind of and content consumption, how does that mirror or align run parallel to or diverge from broader content? Or yeah, when is, when is gaming something or creator stuff, something that's not YouTube or Twitch laden, but it's on your, it's part of your cable package or part of a, part of a streaming package in its own right. I think that stuff is, fascinating and i again i don't have an answer for it but uh i'll i'll reiterate like yeah why not let's say yes. that in 25 years yeah. from now it'll eclipse and we'll see sports. yeah we'll see i mean it's an interesting space because i mean i think you know the numbers are showing that the viewership is there it's growing um and but also the choice right so it's not just limited to these massive events that have mass appeal yep. that you know you can find as we've seen before with a lot of different aspects of um, sort of the interconnected world that we have is if you have a particular interest in one genre or a sub genre of something else that you can find your community there. And so it'll be really interesting. To see That's exactly right. Um, over yep. time. So, all right, well, I don't want to keep you any longer. I know you've got some commitments that you've got to run to. Um, so I would, again, just like to thank Ben uh, for joining us here today and to talk about this exciting area of esports. 
Um, and just as we wrap up, Ben, I just want to toss it to your way one last time. If there's anything you want to plug, uh, whether that be from EQs <laughs> or something that was inspiring to you. Um, I think you, oh, you sure. plugged a few things along the way, but just wanted to a last opportunity here to to throw in a plug uh, and again whatever it may be we'll drop it in the show notes um but yeah anything, anything yeah. you want to share before we sign off for today uh, not particularly just a, one a word of gratitude to you and clarin for hosting me for letting me uh, chat with you all a bit for anyone who's out there listening really really appreciate your time <laughs> that you've given to listening to sean and to me <laughs> Yeah, and and I mean, yeah, feel free, efuse.gg, um, or find us across socials if you're interested in learning more about efuse, or for me, B Scrag, S-C-R-A-G-G at efuse.io is my email, or B Scrag generally on, on socials. You can find me if there's a point of connection, you listen to this and and have uh, an interesting educational opportunity, or just just want to chat, or if you <laughs> if you want to correct my record. Uh, or or challenge any pieces like I think that you know we will drop the mic here, but there's never a last word on any of this discourse, particularly in academic spaces. So no, Sean, I'm really grateful for your time and for having me on, and uh, we get to talk again soon. Yeah, absolutely, and thank you again. So and just a final note um, for our listeners, and again, if you have made it all the way through the podcast episode, um, we will you you will now know the secret. We will drop all of the links. Um, and info from our discussion in the show notes, including the social media handles and all that kind of stuff, um, so that you can be sure to follow along or just dive deeper into this amazing and expanding world of esports. Um, thanks again for joining us today on the Learning Futures podcast. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to the Learning Futures podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for more information and details. If your podcast player allows for reviews, please leave us a five-star review. Let us know how we're doing. Tell the world what you think. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll be sure to never miss an episode. The Learning Futures podcast is produced at the Mary Lou Fulton Teachers College at Arizona State University. The executive producer is Dr. Sean Leahy, and the show is produced by Dr. Clarin Collins and Karina Munoz-Baltazar.